Miracy. Actually, thinking about how you bring in your ROI metrics, both tracking the non-financial as well as the financial metrics, by bringing that into the work that you're doing with your client, you are building in the accountability, but you're also helping your client see the overall value that you're bringing. Do you sometimes find yourself struggling to articulate the real, tangible value your coaching can bring to a client? Does the concept of ROI in coaching feel like a a daunting maze that you can't quite navigate? I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped tens of thousands of coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where we answer burning questions that newer coaches would love to ask a more experienced coach. In today's episode, we're diving straight into the hot topic of ROI and coaching. It's where personal growth meets concrete results, shaking up how you, as a coach, can really prove the value of the transformation that you provide. Are you ready to elevate your game? Well, today I'm thrilled to have the remarkable Lisa Ann Edwards joining us. She's not just an award-winning leadership coach and entrepreneur, but a powerhouse who brilliantly links soft skill development with opportunities for significant improvement and tangible ROI. Lisa is also a torchbearer for women in technology, making waves with her venture, My Excelia. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much, Melinda. It's great to be here with you. I am excited to have you on the show. And before we dive in, I'd love for you to share with our listeners just a little bit of your background. Well, I might start off with sort of how I got into this ROI measurement. And so a little piece of my background is that I was hired for a Bill Gates-owned global media company way back in 2005. I was hired for a role as a, in leadership development. And three months into my brand new job, they decided to cut all of the budget for leadership, talent development, and coaching programs. And they cut the budget because the organization was going through a lot of upheaval in the marketplace. I actually thought I was going to lose my job. I didn't lose my job. What happened instead is I ended up running a coaching program inside that organization, tracked and measured all of the results, including financial was able to bring my budget back, not only keep my job, bring on a team and bring in a larger budget so that I could run other programs in that organization. It was a major turning point for me. I love that. I mean, I think it's the case with so many of us. Out of necessity, we pave our way to where we're going to go next. And I know in today's world, as the coaching industry has continued to evolve, it's gone mainstream. Like today's buyer of coaching. I I don't think it matters what niche we're talking about. They really are looking for results. They are very mindful about how they make their investment into coaching, and they want to make sure they're getting results and the outcomes. And so ROI, it's become a significant thing as a coach, as a business owner, we've got to A, pay attention to for ourselves and be able to convey to the people that want to hire us, that are considering us and our clients. So let's start off first by sharing 
you know, why ROI, return on investment, has become kind of a, a buzzword in the coaching scene, especially considering your background and how to demonstrate client value? Yeah, especially now. It's such a crowded marketplace. And certainly because I work in the coaching industry, it, it seems more so to me than ever. But if you just look at the ICF number of coaches, Near 2000, ICF had 900 ICF certified coaches. In 2020, they had around 30, 35,000. Now they have nearly 60,000. So within three years, they nearly doubled the number of ICF certified coaches. That just illustrates how much this profession has taken off. Some say coaching is exploding, and I have to agree with that. We also see the pricing pressure, online platforms that are offering coaches to organizations for a significantly reduced rate. And so that's creating a significant reason for why coaches who want to retain their fees at higher rates should bring accountability metrics to track and measure the overall impact of their engagements so that they can make a way for them to stand out in a very crowded market, as well as justify their fees. I want to get into that because we're actually launching a whole bunch of trainings that we're offering talking about exactly this, a way to stand out in this marketplace. So I want to come back to that. But before we talk about the accountability metrics and how do you track and measure and all that, let's talk a little bit about ROI. Because I know when I talk with the newer coaches uh, that are, you know, they're within one or two years of launching their business for the most part. And when I talk about ROI, they immediately go to money. Okay, what's the return, financial return on the investment, the financial investment that I'm making? Is that the only way that you think of ROI or is there other ways to think mm -hmm. about it? Yeah, the ROI piece, the financial impact piece is only one piece. You also have to have the behavioral transformation, some kinds of metrics that demonstrate how your client has changed. If you don't have any kind of measures that demonstrate the transformation or the change that your client had by working with you, then there could be a case made that those financial metrics that your client had at the end of the engagement are unrelated to coaching. So we have to be able to show that's how we connect the dots between the client working with you and the overall financial impact. It could even be a mindset shift that has a ripple effect of a behavior change, how that change has occurred. And it's typically demonstrated in some kind of metric or rating scale. Now, you talked about behavioral and mindset. I think another one that's also in there is emotional. I think those are, are different categories where there can be a significant transformation that all tie together, like the thoughts we think, the feelings that we feel, the actions that we take, all of those, when there's alignment with them, that's where we see the results. Yeah, absolutely. There's a very famous saying, and I'm probably going to get the whole messaging wrong, but there's a very famous saying that probably people will resonate with, which is, you know, watch your beliefs, they become your thoughts. Watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, it becomes your destiny. And it's that whole ripple effect of 
how beliefs and words and feelings, how they all translate and create an overall impact. And in coaching, part of the way we measure that is that financial payoff. Now, when I'm working with the coaches that we teach and how they're setting up their business and they're working with their clients, one of the exercises I have them do is to look at the immediate results, the immediate outcomes, the tangible or intangible outcomes that their clients get. Like, you know, coaches will add more people to their list, tangible result that they can track. They'll bring in more revenue, tangible result that they can track. They'll get more clients, newer clients, launch more. So those are tangible things that they can track. And then an exercise that I'll take them through is now that these are in place, what do these new results mean to the different parts of your life? What does it mean to your relationships, to your bank account, to your health and wellness, to the different categories of life so that they can, you know, you just mentioned ripple effect, but when they can articulate the ripple effect of the ROI, the value is dramatically increased. Yeah. What I love about what you just walked through is some of the measures that you talk about. So when you think about the coaches that you work with, and if they secure new business, that's a really easy connection to make in terms of looking at the payoff of their investment with your organization. But what I love about what you also do is you ask them to think about how does that impact your personal life? How does that impact your relationships? You're looking almost, look, what's the return of having those positive financial payoffs, which is just brilliant. The other thing that I really love about the way you do that, Melinda, and it's also the way that we think about it, is you don't come to your client and say to them, here's your ROI. You ask them to reflect on what they've gained. And that's also the way we do it. Many times people come to us thinking that we're going to provide some kind of, I don't know, chart or graph or rubric that tells what the payoff is, what the ROI is. And we don't do it that way. We do it through conversation. Just like in coaching, the client arrives on their solution through you asking questions and helping them think through their actions and what they want to do next. So I love that because then the client truly owns the payoff or the financial impact because you didn't tell them what it was. They came up with it on their own through your questions. Now, earlier you were talking about we've got to bring accountability metrics to track and measure. You talked about it when you were mentioning the behavioral transformation. We, how can we do that? How do we track and measure the accountability? How do we track and measure the transformations? Yeah. Well, they could be measured in things like surveys or you could structure a debrief where you ask the client and then in some place you're tracking that or writing that down, whether it's in an Excel sheet or some kind of document, that's one way to do it. We, you know, in my organization, what we do is we have a technology that does this for you. So you don't have to identify what are survey questions and set up the survey and launch the survey. We have an automated system that actually does all the tracking and the measurement for you. So, you know, couple of different ways through interview, through using survey, or through using some kind of system that already does this for you. But there was one thing that you mentioned there, and I just want to um, sort of mention that, and that is around this idea of accountability. And really, nobody likes the idea of having to be accountable for something. It feels like being in school again, or 
So it doesn't always feel great, but I, I like using the word accountability just when we're thinking about this process because we really do need our client to be accountable to the work in order for us to see the payoff in the end. And many times coaches come to the idea of leveraging ROI, or at least they come to me and my organization, because they want to have the ROI because they believe once they have that ROI data, all they'll have to do in the sales conversation is kind of plunk it down in front of the client. That will solve everything and immediately they'll get business. Doesn't always work quite like that. There's quite a bit of messaging that has to go around the value of the ROI. But the main point of me sharing that is that many times coaches come at the ROI problem or the ROI conversation. They come to wanting to learn more about ROI because they're thinking about what's in it for them. And we lose sight of what's in it for the client. So what's in it for the client is that they have some tangible evidence that their investment in coaching is paying off for them. So if they're paying out of their own pocket, like probably some of your clients are, Melinda, then they're justifying for themselves, yes, this investment I have made has paid off, and look at what I could even do differently to have an even greater payoff. If your client is, let's say, somebody, a leader inside an organization, they're not paying out of their own pocket. The HR department is giving funding. So what's the value of those metrics for them? And the value of those metrics for them is they have some documented evidence that they can share back with their manager or HR or other people inside that organization so that they can advocate on their own behalf for their career, for their performance conversations, for their pay and bonus conversations, and for their promotions. So we often lose sight of the value of that accountability back to the client, but there's an illustration of how it's so valuable for them. Uh, I love how you're, you're diving into that. And, and when we talk about how do we figure this out, could you shed some light on some of the initial steps to figure out the actual financial ROI of their coaching services? Yeah. How does a coach begin to do that? A really easy place to start is at the end of the engagement to have a debrief, and I like to call it the money talk, but what you'll do is you'll set the stage to say, you know, in today's session, we're going to talk about everything that you've gained from coaching and how you've changed as a result. We're even going to see if there's a financial payoff. And then you'll start to ask them about, remind me what was going on with you at the very start of this engagement. Uh, what were you facing? You'll ask the question, can you give me an example of that when they start talking about the challenge that they had or the aspiration that they weren't able to achieve? Can you give me an example of that? Together, you're starting then to quantify what the impact of that challenge or the value of that unrealized opportunity was having on them. So then you start putting a monetary value on that challenge or missed opportunity. Then you'll start to shift to, okay, well, so what's changed? How is that different? How are you different? How have you changed over the process of this? Can you give me an example of that? And you're, it's in the example that we find the financial payoff. You are listening for things like, 
I'm no longer working on this one activity or I've delegated it to somebody else. Now they're saving time. Time is money. We can look at their hourly rate and monetize the amount of time they're saving. Are they more productive? Did they launch something innovative that has a financial value? Are they having more revenue? Have they streamlined processes to reduce costs? So we're listening for those kinds of changes. And together with the client, we're helping them think through what's the monetary value of that change. So that's a really easy way. I call it the money talk. It's a really easy way to start putting a financial value on the changes your client experienced by working with you. And so in some cases, I'm just thinking about some of our listeners that are brand new in coaching. Maybe they don't even have clients yet. One of the things that I went back to in my early days is I went back to my own journey and and did similar exercises like this for my own journey. So I would have a starting point. And then as I started working with clients and, and doing this type of process and gathering this type of data, I began to build this over time. Is that a good strategy for coaches to use? Or what do you recommend for the brand, brand, brand new coaches just getting started that may not have clients just That's yet? so good. I love how you thought about it. I had never considered that. But yes, most coaches are in coaching because they experienced coaching as a coachee at some point in their lives. So I love the example that you gave of thinking about your own changes. It could be your own changes in other investments that you made. Maybe you invested in a training program at some point in your life, thinking through what was the impact that that had on you and how did you change? Those are really great examples. You can also use the money talk in the sales conversation. So before you even start working with the client, start to bring that money conversation into that sales conversation to get a better understanding of how much is this problem that they're facing, this agitation, or the fact that they can't achieve the aspiration that they're having, what's the financial value of that? So that's a really good way to start to warm up with the money talk conversation, get familiar with it. You can also start to help your client see the cost of the opportunity that they're not achieving so you can price your services in alignment with that. And that right there that you said, price your services in alignment, it's one of the things that we teach. I think that's a big part of the evolution of our industry. You know, the very beginning of our industry, much like many other service-based industries, it was trading time for money. I charge you X amount of dollars for X number of sessions, and it was super easy. But in this evolution, as it's gone mainstream and the buyers are focusing on results, I think we have to have more of an aligned pricing model based on the transformation that we get, because when we can align our prices, now we're getting paid well for the services that we offer, and the client can see the urgency and priority and the value, and so they're willing to make that investment when we have that aligned pricing. So I love that you brought that phrase up, and I think it's important Over time, as we track this with the clients we work with, it can help us kind of zhuzh our pricing to land in what is that that really powerful sweet spot for everybody. Exactly. And just imagine being on the buyer side. If you're having that money talk conversation and you're helping your client put a monetary value on this problem and you identify that cost of that problem is half a million dollars. You would look silly if you came back with $3,500 or $2,000 or something really low. Right. 
you would not look like a credible resource for that client. Your offer has to be in alignment to the cost of that problem. Now, let's go to the other side of this conversation. What are some of the common hiccups that coaches face when they're trying to nail down their ROI? How can how can coaches steer clear of those? Yeah, some of the common hiccups are that ROI is only about the financial metrics. And we talked about at the very beginning how you have to have something that demonstrates there was a transformation or a change within the person, whether it be emotional, as you mentioned, or mindset, or typically behavior change. They're actually doing something different, and that's why they're seeing the financial payoff. So that's the first thing is thinking that ROI is only about the financial metrics. The other common hiccup that I see coaches face is that they're only thinking about using ROI in the selling phase of the client engagement. And so they stop thinking about ROI once they've engaged with the client. And actually, Thinking about how you bring in your ROI metrics, both tracking the non-financial as well as the financial metrics, by bringing that into the work that you're doing with your client, you are building in the accountability, but you're also helping your client see the overall value that you're bringing. And you can begin to seed and influence that client so that you can expand your business through your client. Our clients are part of a larger ecosystem. Many people get business from referrals. And so if you're uh, being proactive and helping your clients see the value that they're gaining by when you're working with them, you're having the impact of being able to expand your work through their network. Same is true after the work is done. Once the work is completed, considering how you can leverage your client's network, how you can partner together with them, leverage the data that you have, to expand the number of leads that are coming into your business. So the main issue that I see or the main hiccup that I see coaches face is they stop thinking about ROI after they've secured the business. Now, as you're talking about this, I am thinking about our program. It's a 12-week program that we take coaches through to set up and launch their business. And over the years, we've identified three key milestone points where we know They're getting way out of their comfort zone. It's starting to get real messy. They're making significant change. And it's this interesting point where if we're not mindful about the journey, these are the points where people are going to disconnect, disengage, maybe disappear and just be like, oh, I can't do this anymore. And so we've integrated these milestones and I could see where bringing this conversation and, and looking at, okay, let's track and measure what's in place so far. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say one of them happened at about week three. We back up a week and we do this just to give them a burst of momentum almost or inspiration that keeps them moving through that next critical element of the program. Have you ever experienced anything like that? We haven't done that yet, but I'm wondering if that would be pretty effective. First of all, you have the experience with your client to know where do they get stuck? Where are the hurdles? Where do they where do they turn left <laughs> when you you really would love for them to turn right and what's happening there and then aligning your measurement around that I think is a brilliant idea. All right, we're going to have to adopt that and try that in our next <laughs> cohort because I think that could be really really cool. So, 
you know, speaking of what we do at Coaches Console, automation is, I mean, it's key in how we support coaches to focus more on what they love doing. How do you think the integration of automated systems can potentially enhance the ROI in coaching, right? So making the business not just thrive, but also more enjoyable for the coaches, and they're still able to do this tracking and everything that we've been talking about today. Well, you know, one of the reasons I was drawn to you, Melinda, is that you've taken a process that can be hugely time-consuming and also, frankly, it depends on the coach, but it can either be comfortable because you're sitting behind the computer and you're doing something and it feels like you're productive, or it can be frustrating if you don't like technology and systems and that kind of thing. But what you've done is you've freed up coaches to spend more time in new business conversations with prospective clients and delivering work. And I think the same is true on measurement. You can spend hours and hours and hours uh, behind the computer. And I've heard coaches say, oh, they love actually writing survey items <laughs> and setting up surveys and sending them and getting the data and organ. They love doing all of that. And that's wonderful, but it's very, very time consuming. And so the big advantage of using a technology is that it unifies all of your information all in one place. You're not juggling back and forth. You've got clear metrics. Most people don't know what to measure. I worked with some of the biggest brand names kind of known in the, in, in the world. And when I'd see what they were measuring, I realized that they really didn't know what to measure. So having a system that provides you with the metrics, having automated systems, having it all integrated, it saves you time. It saves you frustration. And it saves you from embarrassing human error. There's nine ROI assets that you can create from your data. You can create your value propositions. You can create your case summaries, your case studies, your executive progress report so that you're starting to seed and influence and build new business. You can take your case studies and put them into your free workshops so that you can build value when you're offering those free workshops. You can create insights paper, which are your unique lens on what that data means. So that sets you apart as a thought leader. It also creates an opportunity for you to invite people to roundtables or forums or workshops where they can come and learn more about your unique insights based on all the data you have in your work. Now, you've got a software like we do. You've got the software My Excelia. Can you? share a, a real-world example, a case where that software that helps streamline all of what we've been talking about, how it played a significant role in shifting a coach's trajectory of their business. Yeah, we have a great example from someone who has built a disruptive coaching model, and her model is that she invites people who work inside organizations, so either leaders in large Fortune 500 brands or entrepreneurs or small business owners or mid-market, she invites them to her program. And her program is a set of online learning content, some group sessions, some one-on-one -on -one spot coaching with her, which is 10 minutes of spot coaching which is asynchronous, talk about disruptive. And she was selling this as a six-month package for $9,000.
She wanted to be able to increase her prices. So now she bakes in the MyAxelia ROI reports into every single engagement, part of her brand promise. It's on her website. In the first month after having her first ROI report where she could see the value she was providing her clients, she increased her fees to $12,000. Within a year after that, she took the bold move of increasing her fees to $15,000. So she started out at $9,000 per engagement. She's up to $15,000 per engagement. For individuals who are accessing online learning content, some group sessions, and 10-minute asynchronous coaching sessions. Huge impact for her. Yeah. I love how tangible you can make it because when, like when you're listening to that, it's like, wow, that is super clear. And then you're sitting here saying, I want that. How do I get that? <laughs> and it just makes it so easy for the person on the other side of the conversation to really relate to it in specific ways, not just, you know, vague feel-good ways is nice. Uh, but the tangible, it's like, yeah, I am confident to invest with you because I can see what my return can possibly be. Exactly. And I, I think that's so, so vital. Now, where do you see the role of ROI heading in the coaching sphere over the next few years? And any tips for our listeners to stay ahead of that? Yeah. Well, my experience is that it's heating up and it's partially because of the crowded marketplace, but it's also because of some of the shifts in the industry. So one is the all of the online coaching platforms that offer coaching at a very discounted rate. But the other thing that's happening is organizations are developing their own coaching programs. I talked with a company earlier this week where they have three full-time internal staff and they have coached 200 individuals in that organization in the last year. I met with another company last week where they have 60 people who are certified as a coach, and now they are offering coaching services. So in case external service providers don't have enough to deal with in terms of the crowded marketplace and these online platforms that are offering super discounted rates, now those internal teams is, are providing another source of competition. So I have noticed and I also believe that it's going to become more critical for those who want to be able to retain or expand their rates to have a justifiable reason as to why somebody should invest more with them given all of the options and solutions they have to choose from. Yeah, and not just justifiable, but you know, what we've been talking about in this whole conversation, measurable, that it's not just you can say this, but you can actually demonstrate mm -hmm. it and point back to it. So I want to summarize some of the things that we've talked about today in our conversation. We began by talking about how ROI is not just about money. That's one piece of it. But we also talked about how that return on the investment that somebody makes can also be about behavioral transformation, that there's mindset shifts that then lead to those behavior transformation, that there's emotional shifts and that that quote that, you know, watch your beliefs, they become your thoughts, those become your words, those become your actions, that becomes your destiny, that that ripple effect, that in all aspects of our life is the return. And when you can ask your client to reflect on what they have gained and bring that into the conversation, now they're determining, they're identifying what their ROI is and the client owns 
that payoff and the financial impact. We talked about how to track and measure things like surveys or debriefs, conversations, different technologies. We got into you know, the role of accountability and why that's so vital. We got into the initial steps to figure out how to determine your ROI. You talked about the money talk in that conversation. We got into talking about aligned pricing models. You gave us some of the common hiccups and we touched on the frequency and the the role and the importance of automation. I love, love, love when you reminded us to not only think about ROI in the sales conversation and in that phase, but also to think about it in the work that we do with our clients to bring it in to that area. Oh my gosh, Lisa, do you have any parting words for our audience? Oh my gosh. Well, for the longest time, I used to say, you know, my parting words are always sort of what Nikes are, which is to just do it. And I think that many times people are looking for the perfect client to try to measure just do it. Just get started. You will get better. You can refine over time. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Lisa Ann Edwards for this great conversation. You can find out more about her at myexcelia.com. That's my, M-Y, Excelia, E-X-C-E-L-I-A.com. And in the show note, you'll find the link to her resource, The Money Talk. Lisa, thanks so much for coming to the show. Thank you so much, Melinda. I had a great time. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Course Lab and Once Upon a Business. To catch the great episodes on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Mirror CFM's YouTube channel or your favorite podcast player. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment or a starred review. It is the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you and see you next time. Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. 
Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud, we can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.